You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. You're listening to The Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. Welcome, I'm Anna Altide. Choreographer and performer Charlie Williams is no stranger to the ensemblist, nor is he a stranger to Disney's mega musical Frozen, which closed on Broadway last May, but has sparked a new life internationally. Charlie has played a critical role in Frozen's legacy as both an ensemble performer and associate choreographer. When it came to mounting the show in Sydney, where audiences and performers can finally return to indoor gatherings and performance spaces, Charlie was the obvious choice to step in and train the show's newest crop of ensembles. Here is Charlie Williams in his own words to elaborate more on the emotional experience of returning to live in-person theater, as well as the challenges along the way. Hi, Charlie. Would you introduce yourself and tell us where you're calling from today? I'm Charlie Williams, and I'm talking to you from Hell's Kitchen, baby. You are currently in the running or in the lead for the most frequent guest on the Ensemblist podcast. I think this is your third time. No way. That's awesome. We've been around for a while, but I, I think you've done this three times, including you were our first interview when we sort of revamped in 2019. So maybe all of our success really is just because of you. Well, I'm honored to be back. Thank you for having me. We're going to talk about Frozen today. And you have been an artist who has nimbly bounced back and forth across the production table, working on the creative side of shows and performing in shows, but nothing as succinctly, I think, as Frozen, where you've really done both. I've done everything but like open the curtain, really, or sell popcorn in the lobby, but maybe that's in my future. <laughs> Will you tell our listeners all of the things you've done with Frozen thus far? I started my journey with Frozen out of town in Denver when we did our pre-Broadway tryout at the Denver Center as associate choreographer. We came to Broadway, still associate choreographer, opened up the show, and then I've been maintaining the show ever since it opened as far as casting replacements and cleanups and things like that, all in the kind of umbrella of associate choreographer. And then in 2020, I was like, you know what, let me hop in this bad boy for a second. Let me get some health insurance weeks. I was in the show on Broadway performing eight times a week as an ensemble member. And then 2020 went the way it did, which was really fun. Found myself an unemployed ensemble member. I most recently just went to Australia for 10 weeks to set the show there on my own, kind of representing the choreography department. Still under the umbrella of associate, but really taking the reins. It was my first time setting the show completely on my own as far as the choreography department went. So it was really fun and it went well. So in March, you're performing when the shutdown happens. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. When you sign on to be an associate choreographer for one of these big mega musicals that is likely to have a lot of productions worldwide, you sort of know this is going to be something that I'm going to revisit time and again down the road. Was the trajectory for Frozen laid out very specifically for you prior to 2020? And how did 2020 change that schedule? Oh, absolutely not. To answer your first question, it was not laid out succinctly. 
typical showbiz, you have no idea what the future holds. If I had known that the national tour was going to be about a year after we opened, I probably would have tried to jump in the show a little bit sooner, if I'm being honest. You know, associates don't get health insurance. We don't get any union protection. So we don't get our 401k. We don't get health insurance. We don't get any of those great benefits. It actually is way more lucrative in a way just to do your eight shows a week and be on Broadway because you have all that steady paychecks and all the union stuff, which is, you know, comes in handy when there happens to be, I don't know, a global pandemic. At the time when Frozen kind of was getting ready to open on Broadway, we thought they were going to do what they called an aggressive rollout, meaning we were going to do the national tour and then right away to London, then right away to Australia, Japan, Germany. We have all these things on the table, but then they decided to not do that after we opened and wait a little bit. That's when I ended up having to jump in the share show <laughs> for, a bit, for a bit. I got lucky and got another show. And then, yeah, I jumped into Frozen. So kind of rolled with the punches on that one. And I'm, I feel really lucky that I got to jump in there right before the great Broadway closing of 2020. From hindsight, like it all sort of looks planned out, you know? Okay, so you're going to associate choreograph Frozen and then you'll go into share show and then you'll come back, you know, like, but it just doesn't happen that way. Yeah, you look <laughs> in the back, it looks like I really knew what the hell I was doing, but <laughs> I definitely did not. Just rolled with the punches there. Okay. The shutdown sort of shuts down. We go from two weeks to a month to three months, and Frozen is one of the first casualties to close on Broadway. Right. Are you, like, working in any sort of official capacity through 2020 after the show announces closing? Like, are you on Zoom meetings about the future of the show? What are you doing as the associate choreographer prior to going to Australia or getting the call about Australia? When you're an associate choreographer, at least with what I've done, is that, you know, I never like leave the position of associate choreographer. I'm just kind of on call when they need me. So with this 2020 and the shutdown, even though they're Disney and we kind of think, or at least they think they run the world, they didn't know what the hell was going on either. There wasn't really Zoom meetings to be had because nobody knew what was happening. So it's not like we could make any progress by being like, okay, so... When we reopen, we're going to do this or casting or there just wasn't any answers. So to answer your question, I just sat around eating and getting fat like a lot of people did during 2020. I didn't do a damn thing. We were supposed to do Australia in May of 2020, but that clearly soon faded away that that wasn't going to happen in May. And then Frozen ended up announcing, like we said, closing Broadway. And then it was still kind of up in the air. So I was out on Fire Island living my life, socially distant, mind you, on the beach when I got a call to be like, hey, Australia is doing well with their COVID protocol. So saddle up, baby, you're going to Australia in the fall. I was like, really? I don't know if that's going to happen, but okay. So I kind of just like waited and bided my time until getting kind of closer and closer. And I was like, hey guys, are, is this really still happening? And they're like, yep, you're, you're going, get ready. And I was like, mm, I don't know. I'm going to wait to kind of prep myself until I really know that it's happening. And it wasn't really until the, the plane landed in Sydney that I was like, okay, I guess we're doing this. I guess it's really happening here. I want to talk about the dance department's organizational structure. And was it always assumed that it would just be you that would go to Australia? Did that change because of COVID? That changed because of COVID, for sure. This was the first international mounting of Frozen. And originally, I believe it was going to be about 150 people total flying over there. And I mean, I'm talking lighting designers, assistant lighting designers, directors, assistant director. It takes about that many people to get a show up. But then we ended up only being able to bring, I believe, 30. So we went from about 150 to 30 just because of all the COVID protocols. 
we all had to quarantine and all this stuff. So it added a lot of money to the expense of putting the show up. So we ended up having to basically go with the bare minimum of people, meaning I was there representing all the choreography. Adrian Sarple, who's the associate director, he and I were the creative team out there with all the Aussies. So it was definitely a scaled down team in Australia. That's crazy. Were you nervous? Like, <laughs> Hell yeah, like... I was nervous. <laughs> and also, mind you, my 2020, like, Mo, I was like, I don't know why I'm frightened. Like, I've never, <laughs> it's been so long since I've been around Broadway or the shows. You know, I'm not even being in a theater to go right into a creative process where I'm leading the room with a, a whole cast of Australian people, like, that I don't even know. If it was something like on Broadway or resetting the tour, I could at least, like, have my peeps or my friends or people I know, but this was like a room full of strangers looking at me being like, okay, teach us the entire show. Now the production down there obviously has dance captains. Would you like teach them the show in advance? Was it really that like 10 a.m. on Monday, you walk in and you start at the top of the show or was there any sort of prep that you got before you started teaching the production? Oh my gosh. No prep, no. We have an amazing resident uh, down there, her name is Emma. We would meet before rehearsal started. The usual thing where the cast is in music rehearsal, we'd be in the other room. I'd be like teaching her, taking her through some of the, because there's a lot of partnering in Frozen, more than people even really realize when they see the show. It's, there's a lot of partnering in there. I'd kind of be like, put your hand on this and do this. And I kind of had to play like both roles. I was like, okay, now I'm being the girl. So if I'm the girl, I'm going to put my hand here. Okay, no, 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 be the boy. No, now I'm the boy. And it was kind of a bit of a, a mess, but we figured it out. And mind you, going into the first day of rehearsal, we had two-week quarantine before that. So I went from sitting in a tiny hotel room for two weeks to then, like, trying to dance. So it was a little bit rusty. It was a little bit like, oil can. Like, <laughs> I had to touch my toes a few times, but we figured it out. Your associate on Frozen is Sarah Glebe, right? Yeah. Your co-associate on the original production, who's A, a wonderful spirit, like, so good, so experienced. I can imagine that, like, you had signed up for this experience where you guys were going to go down there together. There would be two people to teach partnering. And then you're teaching both sides of the partnering. I'm like, I'm just, it sounds so daunting. There was a couple of times where I had to like call Sarah, message her. And it was probably like midnight her time, me being in Australia. And I was like, Sarah, where do you put this left hand? I don't understand. Like you're all over my head at this point. Like you're on my shoulders being lifted. I don't know what you're doing with this hand. She was always there in case I ran into any snags. Frozen went through a very public revamp right before the shutdown, right? It had opened on Broadway, then it was sort of reworked for the national tour. Those changes were put into the Broadway show. So so you've solidified this replica production, right, with the national tour. That was the show in which all of these other productions would then be based on. Is that right? Well, you're right. Yeah, I'm going to give you the point for that. You're right, as far as Jeopardy points go, but there hasn't been a duplicate production yet. So we did... The Denver, then we changed it for Broadway. Then on tour, you know, you have different set pieces. We didn't have the turntable on tour. So things were adjusted for that. We added the new song. We cut a song for the tour. And then for Australia, a little bit of the tour, but we also didn't have the turntable in Australia, but we were doing the Broadway. We took bits and pieces of everything. And also the amount of cast on tour, we lose two ensemble members. And we don't have standbys on Broadway. We had standbys for the two girls, for Anna and Elsa. Australia was kind of like a puzzle piece of Broadway and tour. 
So you're saying that because you didn't have standbys, you had more singer tracks in what had been dancer tracks on Broadway? Is that what you mean? We did that and we lost two ensemble tracks on top of that. We lost a boy and a girl. Oh, gosh. And again, in this show, that is a lot about partnering. Yeah, it took a little bit of tinkering on my end to kind of put the two together. But I do think that every time we set one of these shows now, it just kind of gets better and better. We're able to kind of hone it in a different way and make it a little bit more direct. Each one of these is going to get better. And when we reset the tour again and when London happens and Japan's coming up, I think they're just going to get better and better, hopefully. Okay, so you're the voice in the room, but you're not the choreographer, right? No. Are you running changes by the choreographer if you're like, I want to shift this? Or do you basically have carte blanche to like make your best choice? (laughs) You're not the choreographer, but in some moments you are the choreographer, right? You know, I've been working with Rob Ashford now for the better part of my career. We're going on 10 years here. So I'm not going to be like, hmm, I think this is going to be a tap number now. I can't like decide crazy things like that. But I think Rob really, you know, having me as the associate, he trusts my gut and he trusts, you know, he trusts what I'm doing. So if I do something and say the group of actors that we're working with just has a little bit different talent and doesn't look good on the right leg, but they look good on the left leg, I don't have to necessarily call Rob and be like, hey, is it okay if we change the right to the left because I know the meaning behind what his movement is and the choreography. And so I know that I'm keeping that true to his original stuff. So I'm changing little things if I have to, but I'm not changing the overall style or big things in the show. And you've been around since the beginning, so you really understand the impetus of the movement. So if it's not this step, it's a different step that Exactly. We basically now have a grab bag. We call it the Rob Ashford team, basically, me, Sarah, and Rob. We love to keep working until the curtain goes up on opening night. And obviously, like you mentioned, we revamped the show as well. (laughs) It's always a work in progress. We have basically a grab bag now full of steps and combos and things that have been in different versions of the show. So I kind of have a shorthand with Rob where if I did have to call him and say, hey, we're going to do the like one, two step here instead of the three, four. Is that cool? He knows exactly what I'm talking about. I don't have to like get too into it because we have a shorthand. So it's really convenient. And you don't have to go back to the beginning in terms of reinventing steps. You're going through the things that have sort of proven to be in the world of the show. Exactly. For instance, I'll give you a specific, like Love is an Open Door is a duet between Anna and Hans. We always want the actors to feel comfortable and feel great about what they're doing. Everyone has different skill sets. So we tend to cater that to whoever is playing those roles. Rob trusts my gut in the room to be like, look, if they're not going to be able to execute something well, then we want them to be awesome. So we we don't have a problem changing it. The goal is for the performers to look good, not for the performers to... And that's not to say that we like let them, you know, whatever. Rob, he pushes actors, as everyone knows. He's like, nope, this is the step. Hit this bat ma. But, you know, in the end, we always try to make everybody feel great about what they're doing. The last bit of questions I want to ask you is about being in a room creating theater at this time. Beyond the surprise of being the dance department for this production, you were creating theater at a time where so little theater is being created. Like, how did that feel in the room? Did that hit you? Were you not paying attention to that because you were just doing the stuff that you're so used to doing? I just want to sort of know how it felt. 
tears, tears, Mo. Nothing but tears, tears all every day from everybody. Everybody's grateful for the most part always when you're in a production anyway. It's always special, but to be creating theater in 2020, Every day there was some new like teary moment of walking into the studio, being around people again, just that, just being in a room with people in it was like, whoa, crazy. I watched this whole group of dancers. They've all been in lockdown too, and they all had to quarantine. Watching them shake the rust off of all their skill sets and watch them find their bodies on stage again, like it was amazing to watch. And it was just a pinch me moment every day, walking to the theater for the first time. It really was a Norma Desmond moment. I mean, it was like the seats, the lights, it was incredible. And we all felt so lucky. I will say, we didn't know if it was gonna happen. Even when we were in rehearsal, we're all watching the numbers. Any moment, Sydney could have had lockdowns. Cause they don't play in Australia, by the way, with COVID. They'd be like, breaking news, COVID discovered. There's two cases in all Australia. Ann Court, high up producer, extraordinaire, amazing woman at Disney, just said on a lot of our Zoom calls, we're just all trying to get to that feeling of sitting in the theater and watching the house lives go to half hearing the orchestra start playing and bringing theater back. And we did. So that moment when we were sitting there and the house lights went to half and sitting next to the associate director, we just looked at each other and, you know, kind of squeeze each other's hands and like, wow, we did it. It is possible. People can sit in an enclosed space. They were wearing their masks. They were doing whatever they had to do to see live theater. It was special. I'm getting teary just thinking about it. It was great. Special thanks to Charlie Williams for sharing his stories with us today. The Ensemblist was produced today by Mo Brady, Jackson Klein, and me, Anna Altide. There are two great ways you can help The Ensemblist right now. One is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. The other is by becoming a Patreon member, which you can do at patreon.com slash The Ensemblist. Please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at our home on Broadway Podcast Network at bpn.fm. You can also follow us on Instagram, where we share all of our latest episodes. Stay safe, and thanks for listening. Until next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.